Welcome to Voices of Church Past. I am your host, Rob Barnhart. We are done with Clement of Rome. We'll be moving to a new church father. One, long after Clement of Rome had written Tertullian, a most controversial figure indeed, a defender of orthodoxy in his early career, was he pulled away by the heresy of Montanism. It was always considered that he was kicked out of churches and condemned as a heretic and banished from existence because he followed this heresy. Modern scholars tend to quibble with this and say that he was never under such expulsion. Nevertheless, he is unsainted by either the West or East. Nevertheless, he wrote great many things, one of which we will be reading on baptism. He's replying, apparently, to a group of people who were denying baptism does in his mind, which is save, give the forgiveness of sins. This is his reply to them. Happy is our sacrament of water, and that by washing away the sins of our early blindness, we are set free and admitted into eternal life. A treatises on this matter will not be superfluous, Instructing not only such as are just becoming formed in the faith, but them who content with having simply believed without full examination of the grounds of the traditions, carrying mind through ignorance and untried, though probable, faith. The consequence is that a viper of the Canaanite heresy, lately conversant in this quarter, has carried away a great number of her most venomous doctrines making her first aim to destroy baptism, which is quite in accordance with nature. Vipers and ask and basculists themselves generally do affect arid and waterless places. But we little fishes, after example of our Jesus Christ, are born in water, nor have we safety in any other way than by permanently abiding in water. So that most monstrous creature who had no right to teach even sound doctrine you feel well, full well how to kill the little fishes by taking them away from the water. Well, but how great is the force of perversity for so shaking the faith or entirely preventing its reception that it impugns it on the very principles of which the faith consists. There is absolutely nothing which makes men's minds more abhorrent than the simplicity of the divine works which are visible in the act when compared with the grandeur which is promised thereto in the effect, so that from the very fact that with so great simplicity, without pomp, without any considerable novelty of preparation, finally without expense, a man is dipped in water, and amid the utterance of some few words is sprinkled, then rises again, not much or not at all, the cleaner. The subsequent attainment of eternity is esteemed the more incredible, I am a deceiver, if on the contrary it is not from their circumstance. The preparation and expense, the idols or mysteries get their credit 
and authority built up. Oh, miserable incredulity, which quite denies to God his own properties, simplicity and power. What then? Is it not wonderful too that death should be washed away by bathing? But it is the more to be believed that the wonderfulness be the reason why it is not believed. What does it behoove divine works to be in their quality, except that they be above all wonder? We also ourselves wonder. But it is because we believe. Incredulity, on the other hand, wonders but does not believe. For the simple acts it wonders at, as if they were vain, the grand results as if they were possible. And grant that it be just as you think, sufficient to meet each point, is the divine declaration which has forerun. The foolish things of the world has God elected to confound its wisdom. And the things very difficult with men are easy with God. For if God is wise and powerful, which even they who pass him by do not deny, it is with good reason that he lays the material causes of his own operation in the contraries of wisdom and power that is in the foolish, foolishness and possibility since every virtue receives its cause from those things by which it is called forth. Mindful of this declaration as of a conclusive prescript, we nevertheless proceed to treat the question, how foolish and impossible is it to be formed anew by water? In what respect, pray, has this material substance merited an office of so high dignity? The authority, I suppose, of the liquid element has to be examined. This, however, is found in abundance, and that from the very beginning, for water is one of those things which, before all furnishings of the world, were with God in yet an unshapen state. In the first beginning, says Scripture, God made the heaven and the earth, but the earth was invisible and unorganized, and darkness was over the abyss. The Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters. The first thing, O oh man, which you have to venerate, is the age of the waters, and that their substance is ancient, the second their dignity, that they were the seed of the divine spirit, more pleasing to him, no doubt, than all the other than existing elements. For the darkness was total thus far, shapeless without ornament of stars, and the abyss gloomy, and the earth unfurnished, the heaven on rotten water alone, always a perfect, gladsome, simple material substance, pure in itself, supplied a worthy vehicle to God. What of the fact that waters were in some way the regulating powers by which the disposition of the world thenceforth was constituted by God? For the suspension of the celestial ferment in the midst he caused by dividing the waters, the suspension of the dry land he accomplished by separating the waters, after the world had been hereupon set in order through its elements, when inhabitants were given it, the waters were first to receive the precept to bring forth living creatures. Water was the first to produce that which had life, that it might be no wonder in baptism if waters know how to give life. For was not the work of fashioning man himself also achieved with the aid of waters? Suitable material is found in the earth, yet not apt for the purpose of useless it be moist and juicy, which the earth the waters separate the fourth day before into their own place, temper with their remaining moisture to a clay consistency. 
if from that time onward I go forward in recounting universally or at more length the evidences of the authority of this element which I can adduce to show how great it is in power or its grace, how many ingenious devices, how many functions, how useful an instrumentality it affords the world, I fear I may seem to have collected rather the praises of water than the reasons of baptism, although I should thereby teach all the more fully that it is not to be doubted that God has made this material substance, which he has disposed throughout all the products and works of Baham also in his own peculiar sacraments, that the material substance which governs terrestrial life acts as an agent likewise in the celestial but it will suffice to have thus called at the outset those points in which it is recognized that primary principle of baptism, which was even then foreknoted by the very attitude assumed for a type of baptism, that the Spirit of God who hovered over the waters from the beginning would continue to linger over the waters of the baptized. But a holy thing, of course, hovered over a holy, or else from that which hovered over that which was hovered over, barred a holiness, since it is necessary that in every case an underlying material substance should catch the quality of that which overhangs it, most of all uh, of a spiritual adapted, as the spiritual is, through the subtleness of its substance, both for penetrating and insinuating. Thus the nature of the waters Sanctified by the Holy One itself conceived the power of sanctifying. Let no one say, Why then are we, pray, baptized with the very waters which then existed in the first beginning? Not with those waters, of course, except in so far as the genius indeed is one, but the species very many. What is in an attribute to genius reappears likewise in the species. Accordingly, it makes no difference whether a man be washed in a sea or a pool, a stream or a font, a lake or a trough, nor is there any distinction between those whom John baptized in the Jordan and those whom Peter baptized in the Tiber, unless the eunuch whom Philip baptized in the midst of his journeys with chance water was more or less salvation than the others. Acts 8. 26 through 40, all waters, therefore, in virtue of the pristine privilege of their origin, do, after the invocation of God, attain the sacramental power of sanctification. For the Spirit immediately supervenes from the heavens and rests over the waters, sanctifying them from Himself. And being thus sanctified, they imbibe at the same time the power of sanctifying. I'll bet similitude may be admitted to be suitable to the simple act, that since we are defiled by sins as if it were by dirt, we should be washed from those stains and waters. But as sins do not show themselves in our flesh, insomuch as no one carries on skin the spot of idolatry or fornication or fraud, so persons of that kind are foul in the spirit, which is the author of sin, For the Spirit is Lord, the flesh servant. Yet they each mutually share the guilt. The Spirit on the ground of command, the flesh of subservience. 
Therefore, after the waters have been in a manner endued with medicinal virtue through the intervention of the angel, the spirit is corporally washed in the waters. The flesh is in the same spiritually cleansed. Well, but the nations who are strangers to all understanding of spiritual powers ascribe to their idols the imbuing of waters with the self-same efficacy. So they do, but they cheat themselves with waters which are widowed. For washing is the channel through which they are initiated into some sacred rites of some notorious Isis or Mithras. The gods themselves, likewise, they honor by washings. Moreover, by carrying water around and sprinkling it, they everywhere expiate county seats, houses, temples, and whole cities at all events. The Apollinarian and Illusion games, they are baptized, and they presume that the effect of their doing, that is their regeneration and remission of the penalties due to their perjuries. Among the ancients, again, whoever had defiled himself with murder was wont to go in quest of purifying waters. Therefore, if mere nature of water, in that it is appropriate material for washing away, leads men to flatter themselves with the belief in omens of purification, how much more truly will waters render that service through the authority of God, by whom all their nature has been constituted? If men think that water is endued with the medicinal virtue by religion, what religion is more effectual than that of the living God? fact being acknowledged, we recognize here also the zeal of the devil rivaling the things of God, while we find him too practiced baptism in his subject. What similarity is there? The unclean clean, cleanses, the ruiner sets free, the damned absolves, he will for so destroy his own work by washing away the sins which himself inspires. These remarks have been set down by a way of testimony against such as reject the faith. If they put no trust in the things of God, the spurious imitations of which, in the case of God's rival, they do trust in. Are there not other cases, too, in which, without any sacrament, unclean spirits brood on waters and spurious imitation of that brooding of the divine spirit in the very beginning? Witness all shady fonts and all unfrequented brooks, the ponds and the baths and the conduits and the private houses, the cisterns and the wells which are said to have the property of spiriting away through the power that is of a hurtful spirit. Men whom waters have drowned or affected with madness or with fear they call nymphcot or lymphatic or hydropobic, hydrophobic. Why have we adduced these instances? Lest any think it too hard for belief that a holy angel of God should grant its presence to waters, to temper them to man's salvation, while the evil angel holds frequent profane commerce with the selfsame element into man's ruin. If it seems a novelty for an angel to be present in waters, an example of what was to come to pass has forerun. An angel, by his intervention, was wont to stir the pool of Bethsaida. They were complaining of ill health, used to watch for him. For whoever had been the first to descend into them after his washing ceased to complain. This figure of corporal healing sang of a spiritual healing according to the rule 
which things carnal are always antecedent as figurative of things spiritual. And thus, when the grace of God advanced to higher degrees among men, an ascension of efficacy was granted to the waters and to the angel. Those who were wont to remedy both bodily defects now heal the spirit. They who used to work temporal salvation now renew eternal. They who did set free but once in a year now saves people in a body daily, death being done away with through absolution of sins. The guilt being removed, of course, the penalty is removed too. Thus man will be restored for God to his likeness, who in days bygone had been conformed to the image of God. The image is to be is counted to be in his form, the likeness in his eternity. For he receives again the, that Spirit of God which he had then first received from his birth, but had afterward lost through sin. And that's where we'll leave off with Tertullian on his treatises on baptism. If you're wondering why there are so many segments in today's podcast, I will be straightforward with you and be very honest. Tertullian has quite the vocabulary. And um, it took me several readings of each individual uh, section uh, in order to go and look up how to pronounce certain words and things of that nature. Not only that, but I kept making mistakes and I would have to kind of reread them again <clears throat> until I got it right. Upon rereading and rereading and rereading, uh, I was able to mostly stick to what is said. So, if nothing else, if, I, if nobody listens to these episodes and the podcast dies uh, of any listener at all, Although I'm glad that that is not the case, that at least of a quite a sizable minority who do listen to this podcast, at least I'll have learned how to pronounce some words that are not often used in today's usage. Um, if nothing else, I will add to my vocabulary. I must say, it's been quite a long time in my life where I've read a book that has such pressed my my vocabulary skills and my reading comprehension skills. It is a gift I've had since I was young. I, uh, my mom taught me to read from a very early age, and I read some of the greatest works in all of history at a very young age. War of the Worlds, Oliver Twist, Moby Dick, and understood them and could read them out loud and have zero issues. Uh, in school, any time that there was a reading class, I would always try to volunteer to go in place of others because I knew that people were nervous about reading out loud, and I was not. So I am quite pleased that I have the opportunity to grow personally, and I, I hope you guys are patient with me. Usually... I go through the podcast once or twice and do some very slight editing. Um, most of the time, I, to be honest, I go through one read verbatim, dry run, 
and that's what's produced out. Uh, that's what's released out to you, mostly because uh, the editing on the software of this app is a little touch and go. If I could figure out how to better edit cleaner, like uh, Audacity allows, it would make my job a lot easier. But nevertheless, um, it gives me a lot of opportunity for uh, room for growth. <clears throat> so I hope it doesn't cause you too much uh, trouble in listening to the podcast as it might jump a little bit. I'm not quite sure what it sounds like when I do multiple um segments like that if it just flows in ones into the other or not um i'll have to uh listen back to this to see if that is the case um because i'll have to think of something else um if that if it's too distracting but uh till we meet again I want to thank you so much for listening to Voices of Church Past. I am your host, Rob Barnard. May God bless you, keep you steadfast in the one true faith. Give it to the saints. Till we all see each other again. The presence of Christ, free from sin, free from death, enjoying eternal life in perfect unity and praising our Lord and Savior who freed us from our sins. May you go in peace.